Hi everyone, I'm Taryn Strong, founder of the She Recovers Foundation, and this is the She Recovers Podcast. Here at She Recovers, we believe we are all recovering from something and that we don't have to recover alone. We create welcoming spaces and transformative opportunities online and in real life to connect, support, and empower women in or seeking recovery. Recovery from substance use disorders, behavioral health issues, and other life challenges. We bring women together seeking recovery from the struggles, hurts, traumas, and dramas of being human. If you're working to recover and reclaim your inner wisdom, then you've come to the right place. Welcome. The only constant is change. And right now on a global scale, there's a lot of change occurring. And that's good though, right? There's a lot evolving and a lot of changes that needed to take place are taking place. In this episode, I connect with Mama Dawn and Erin, and we share the changes that we have experienced individually since the beginning of the pandemic. And we also share changes that we have implemented on an organizational level as well. So this episode is a really sweet representation of being microcosms in the macrocosm. I hope that you enjoy and thank you so much for listening. Hello, my dear friends. I get to be with Don and Taryn at the same time. It's really nice to be in the same virtual space as the two of you. Hi. Hi, Hi everybody. And it's nice to be back in the she cave. I haven't been here really since COVID. So she hasn't hey, been allowed here exactly. really since COVID, but we are together. Taryn and I are in Victoria and Aaron, where are you? I am in Utah mm-hmm. and there's lots to share. There's lots of personal updates. I know um, Taryn has also been on the move in the past few months since, since COVID came into everyone's lives. Uh, lots of changes, mm-hmm. but I thought maybe we could start our conversation off today with how She Recovers has really transformed itself over the past few months to respond to our community and, um, and how COVID is really asking more of us as a recovery organization. Sure. Um, I'll take some of that. Well, definitely some big changes that She Recovers. Um, as some of you know, and some of you don't, She Recovers started out as a Facebook page in 2011, so nine years ago. And for a few years, we were just a Facebook page and a retreat program. And then we evolved into a coaching program and conferences and one day workshops and a whole pile of things. And so we did, we were operating as a as a business for a number of years, probably from about 2017 until this year. But in 2018, early 2018, we decided that as much as we we were fine with being a business, that we really felt like the type of programs that we were offering uh, were really very mission-driven. I mean, our entire focus has always been on connecting, supporting, and empowering women um, in or seeking recovery. And we wanted to be able to offer what we do to more and more women. And we thought the way to do that was to um, become extremely financially successful and then perhaps start um, sending, you know, all of our profits into into a, a foundation the way some large businesses do. We didn't know how long that would take. But we thought, what the heck, we're going to apply for um, non profit charitable status in the United States in any case. Um, and we did that. 
As COVID would have it, we actually received our 501c3 nonprofit charitable status in the United States on April 6th. Uh, now, by that time, we'd already made the decision that we needed to wind down the business portion of She Recovers, uh, which based was based very much on revenues that we brought in through um, conferences and retreats and in-person in workshops. So, so now we are, we're still the same. She recovers, still doing the same things, only now um, we are operating as a nonprofit solely. That is it. There's no more business. We are just a charity, a charitable foundation. And what that means is that we, um, you know, we have some very strict guidelines to operate under from the IRS in the United States. We will also be applying for Canadian charitable status very soon. Um, but really we just continue, get to continue to deliver um, on our mission to continue to connect, support and empower women. Uh, we get to take donations to help us do that. You know, we get to reach out um, to some larger corporations and organizations to partner with, to continue our good work. And we really think that we're in the right, in the right kind of legal bucket right now to do this. Um, and we're very excited and appreciative of the women who have already donated to our cause so that we can kind of continue to do what we're doing, um, only in a different, out of a different bucket. So it's pretty exciting. Um, I guess in terms of the organization, the big pivot for us was that we, in March, as soon as we realized we weren't going to be able to gather in person, something that we're also desperate to do, uh, we moved online and we started hosting she recovers together Zoom gatherings. We now host two a day. We have a number of specialty population groups that also have their own Zoom calls. Um, and I can break all that down in a moment. But the big change really is that we are now this different status. We no longer have a business called She Recovers. Um, Taryn and I are that, in that regard no longer in, um, contractors with a business. We are full-time volunteers. <laughs> we're going back to the early days of She Recovers. And I have to say, we're perfectly okay with that. We've actually both made the conscious decision that we are um, now founders. I'm board chair, Taryn's co-chair of the board and founder. And we are going to do as much as we can to create, to continue to create this and build this foundation, which will be almost entirely driven by volunteers. So decisions about what we do next and how we implement all of those great ideas that people have and have been giving us will really be truly a grassroots volunteer organization. Uh, we think that we will get a lot of support from all corners of the globe to continue to do this work. And we're extremely excited. That's really amazing. And there's so much there that is reflective of how COVID is playing out in a lot of households and in our own hearts. This, this work that you did pre-COVID, you didn't even know what was coming. And on April 6th, work that you had done sort of blossomed in an unexpected but perfectly aligned way. And that has been my experience um, in COVID. I know that it has brought a lot of um, challenges to many of us, and it has bought, brought a lot of blessings to many of us. It's, it's a mixed bag. And... Um, the nonprofit status, I know there's a trend in nonprofit world to call themselves for purpose, and it's a very heart-centered approach that She Recovers has, and I think it's ideal. It sounds like it's exactly, it's sort of um, evolved back to its, maybe its original uh, original purpose, 
um, but with renewed strength and uh, and interest from the community. I mean, you guys have, we have just gotten so many more members in the past couple of months. Yes. Oh my goodness. Our Facebook group has grown from 2000 to almost 6,000. And I love the way that you've actually put that Aaron. It's, it really is very much about, and it, it kind of goes back to my saying that we've always been mission driven, not profit driven, um, which is probably why we never really did have a lot of profit because it was, <laughs> it was always way more important to us that we create, you know, that the pricing on, on retreats, et cetera, were more accessible. So it's just really difficult to create something that's accessible to as many women as possible and be profitable at the same time. So I think Taryn, right? Um, it does feel like we're just going back to the days where Taryn and I had, it's kind of like we had day jobs and we did this as a passion project and, and I'm okay with returning to that. Um, I, I need to find the day job as of January, but um, I'm still you know, completely devoted and dedicated to this next several months to creating and helping support um, developing the structure that needs to be in place so that, that I can have a day job and not be working on She Recovers full-time, but still remain very engaged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this, like you said, Aaron, it has really been a really big blessing because to be perfectly transparent and honest, the last several years of She Recovers have been really hard because we have been mission-driven and because our goal was always just to cover our costs, which is nice and everything, but it's a very stressful business model because we were always just trying to make sure that we were covering our costs. And now with this nonprofit model, it feels like we can take a little bit of a breath of fresh air. And instead of focusing on covering our costs, it feels like we now have the ability to focus our capacity on growing our volunteers and fundraising. And we've already, since COVID, been able to reach and help so many more women that we never could have done otherwise. So we're, we're just already starting to see that this alignment is starting to call in the women who need the community. The amazing thing about it, too, is that the, the for instance, She Recovers in Miami, postponed till next year, will now be a foundation event. Retreats scheduled and postponed this year till 2021 will now be foundation offerings. So we're not doing we're not we're offering more than we ever did before. Um, we're not losing anything that we were doing. So we're pretty excited. You know, we're going to be expanding in communities. So we're going to have chapters. Um, yeah, we, there's a lot. I think, you know, one day we should probably have a, a podcast just about what we plan on doing in communities. But uh, we've got our first draft of what a She Recovers chapter will look like in a local community. And uh, we're very excited about that. We've got our first draft of what our volunteer network needs to be made up of. Um, you know, we've, we've been refining, we, we depend so heavily on the women who are trained as She Recovers coaches now, who've now stepped up in an incredible way um, to host the very many gatherings, you know, at least twice a day that we're holding. And they're doing that just out of the goodness of their heart. They're volunteering their times, their time. We have another, um, I think we have like at least 12, maybe 14 women who are co-hosts for those Zoom gatherings, all volunteer. We have our admin volunteers on our, uh, in our Facebook group. We have a group of of volunteers who are working with us on grants and research and others who have offered their services to help us do PR. We have Erin, an amazing podcast producer, 
and uh, you know that just goes on. We've got some wonderful uh, She Recovers coaches volunteering their time to help us with our um, Healing Racism and Recovery Initiative, and really the list goes on. So Don, tell me about the women. I mean, four thousand new women on our you know She Recovers Together Facebook page. What are you seeing there? What stories are you hearing there? What patterns and themes are you seeing? You know, we ha- I would say that when people pop in and qualify for why they're there, we see the usual. Probably we're going to do another cross-sectional survey. We've done we did this a few years ago and it's time to get some more data, but I would say 70 to maybe 80% of the women who join us in the Facebook group identify as being in recovery from substance use disorder. Um, there's another, I mean, separate from that, some some of these women may identify as also struggling a little bit with substances, but we certainly have seen an increasing number of women with eating disorders um, and other food-related issues. And we see a definite increase um, in number who, of women who are coming in and identifying as having mental health um, issues, a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression. They may or may not also um, have a substance use issue. So Again, I, I just think it's, I would say we're all recovering from something when the truth of the matter is we, you know, we believe that, but also we're all recovering from a lot of things. So I, what I love about our community is as we continue to preach is maybe not the right word, but it's kind of what we do. We continue to, we maintain that um, whether you're using substances or behaviors or food or, you know, love addiction or gambling or, or anything else that's affecting you that we are, we all have more in common than not. And the underlying most of our behavioral health disorders and issues are things like trauma, you know, primarily trauma, I would say. And so what we're seeing is that women are coming in and kind of, you know, wanting to raise their hand and say, I'm here because I have an alcohol use disorder, or I'm here because I have a uh, opioid use disorder. Um, But after that, the discussion is really about how are you living? you know, what do you need to continue to live? And of course, we support people specifically around their substance use disorders, but the conversations really have changed into what we hoped our community would become, which is about how we are all recovering from something. And, you know, let's focus on on those similarities rather than trying to delineate between what we're there for. Although, of course, we'll support you on a daily basis for what you need in that day. So, Let's talk about mental health, shall we? <laughs> let me just, let me just, I also want to say we're seeing, we're actually seeing a larger spectrum of ages. So we've got a lot more younger women that we would normally see perhaps on retreat or at a conference, which we love. And also some older women, like women in their 70s. Um, so we just, and um, more diversity, you know, in terms of uh, race and ethnicity, other backgrounds, and uh, geographically, we have women joining us from all over the world. Uh, in our group and on our Zoom calls. So, you know, this wish that we had to become more diverse is coming true. I just, the timing on that is um, is remarkable, that COVID has brought forth, again, I mean, you have this nonprofit status that presented itself to you, and that then COVID sort of summoned into our circle the diversity and um, – like the plurality that, you know, has always been desired. And and frankly, that that has created the community that we all need um, right at the time we all need it. Because um, no matter what you are recovering from, um, I think in my 
conversations with women and with my friends and just sort of anecdotal online observations. The idea of 2020, this year that we're finding that we are in, um, it just has become its own brand. <laughs> 2020 is sort of its own um, experience and that we're, you know, we are all in this together. Uh, I know I've seen a couple of times, you know, we're all in the storm together, but we're not necessarily in the same type of boat. But um, no matter what your circumstances are, there's an onslaught of news and changes and uncertainty that has produced a collective anxiety and um, grief. I have personally, you know, really brought all of my recovery tools to bear to navigate this time. And uh, it's a day-to-day call for me. Um, surprisingly, lately especially, I have really started struggling a little bit more with anxiety and depression. And uh, is that what you're seeing on, on the Facebook page and in, in your conversations as well, Taryn and Don? Are you, are you seeing that collectively we're sort of having this low buzz of anxiety following us around? Absolutely. Yeah. I would say that it's a very, very common theme in our online gatherings that we're having daily and conversations that are having within the Facebook group is this, like mom kind of mentioned a moment ago, there's this collective grief and there's also the collective anxiety and depression just around the uncertainty of where are we in all of this? Because one thing that, you know, trauma survivors really appreciate is knowing when there's a, you know, a beginning, a middle and an end to something. And for us to be in this right now, this time in history, when we don't know when or where we're going, it's we don't even very know where unsettling. We, are. we don't know. Like, where is we this are. the beginning? Is yeah, this the middle? first wave, the, the second wave? Like, we, yeah. Like we, it's so it's, it's very unsettling. And for those of us who have experienced trauma, it's, you know, putting us back in that permanent fight, flight, freeze, or fawn situation. We are all kind of permanently on alert right now and feeling ungrounded and unsafe, which then, of course, just leads to anxiety and the depression and the other behaviors and habits. I found it really interesting. Um, March and April and maybe just going into May, before several regions started kind of opening up again, I noticed that there was a settling into, okay, this is what it is now. And it was, uh, you know, that's when people were taking a deep breath and kind of going, well, we survived that or, or we didn't. I mean, women in our community have lost individuals in their family to COVID. And it's been, you know, the, the tragic number of people that have been lost across the world. And in particular in the United States, there's just no getting around that. That's the bottom line of how this has affected people. Um, but there was this kind of, okay, this is what life is now. And then things started opening up. Um, and it, kind of with that, followed by school going, all the things, I just, I see this resurgence of anxiety and depression where I did, I did see there was a little bit, it's kind of like we were flattening the curve on anxiety and depression just a little bit. And it's back in kind of, uh, you know, there's other things going on. We're not going to talk about those because that would be we i'll get a little hot under the collar but 
you know, moving into, let's just say this political, this political season, um, again, the anxiety and then the depression and the, what WTF stuff is, is really ramping up. And that affects people, right? It affects you and it affects women in our community. Uh, and we see it. Something that I've seen that's been really interesting to me, <clears throat> that it's kind of, and again, we won't go down this, but I do want to speak to it. What I'm noticing, you know, our Canadian gals versus our American gals is a lot of the American gals, there's a sense of kind of abandonment, right, from your government and how this is being handled, which is re-traumatizing. Like here in Canada, we feel held, We, especially in British Columbia, we feel supported. It's like we've got our Dr. Bonnie Henry and Dr. Bonnie Henry, she's got the softest, sweetest voice. And she says, be kind, be, what does be, she say? Be kind, be, be gentle and be safe. safe. She says that every day. She does our briefing and she says that. And so we feel held and supported even in this unknowing. But I do see for my American women in our community, there is this kind of unsettled of there, there has been not many, not much support, if any. Yeah, we're not going there. We're not going there. Yeah. Yeah. And yet we live here. I know yeah. you do. So the other thing that's happened, of course, here in the United States um, along with not being necessarily held very gently, and is is this awareness of white fragility mm-hmm. and um, and our responsibility as uh, and my responsibility as a white woman to step into a role and an awareness that um, is wildly uncomfortable mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's another, it's another, you know, unsettling tr- truth or unsettling, um, uh, like set of facts no. that I've, you know, I've had to, I'll just tell, I'll talk my, to my personal story instead of trying to make this a wider, um, a wider, uh, experience, but, um, yeah, I've really had to step back from, some stories about uh, justice and equality that, mm-hmm. frankly, are not true mm-hmm. for uh, for women of color, for people of color, for Indigenous peoples. And the more that truth makes itself present in my life, mm-hmm. um, and the more responsibility I know I have and privilege I know I have around that. It also brings about this sense of hopelessness. And what am I? What am I supposed to do with that? And how am I supposed to hope help? And how can I show up in a way that is uh, supportive? Yeah. Um, you know, and not performative. It's my new favorite word: performative. This performative grief. You know, performative outrage. It's it's just this other. It's this whole other thing that has made that has, and I'm I welcome it into my life. And I don't quite know what to do with it. Um, and I know that she recovers has has tried to you know not just tried, but you've really stepped up to that to this conversation. Yeah, and I get maybe we won't go too far into that because I know that you are going to be having a conversation with Sherry Hampton as one of our as one of the next podcasts about what we're doing specifically. But um, I realized when I was talking about when things started kind of when that when the um, anxiety and depression started to come back 
towards the end of May and into June, it wasn't just the opening. It was, you know, the unconscionable death of George Floyd. And so that we were witnessing and experiencing women's reaction to that in our community as well. And so we're lucky we have, you know, we have a pretty awesome community. So the conversations were all, um, you know, as white as we are in our community, the conversations were about us each as individuals taking responsibility for what we can do. And we determined that what we had been trying to do as an organization for some years is expand and increase diversity in our community. And what we realized, um, you know, when we all sat down and started thinking about what was going on in the world and what we're, we were being called upon to witness and reckon with was that we don't need diversity, equity, and inclusion, and she recovers. We need to do the work of anti-racism, both as individuals, as leaders in the organization, and as community members. So we set um, set down to, you know, kind of focus on that. We, we did a, a book club in August where we, we started looking at um, books related to race and racism. Um, Sherry Hampton, one of our amazing coaches, is getting ready to launch an anti-racism uh, in recovery training. On October 18th, Sherry and Esther and another wonderful woman, Valerie um, Mason John, are going to host, are going to be leading our first She Recovers Foundation critical conversation, and it's called um, "Healing the Effects of Racism for Black Women in Recovery." And it'll be Black women speaking to each other about racism in recovery, but white women will be invited to attend and witness and hear and learn. Um, we started in collaboration with Sherry Hampton. Um, we joined with her. She had a group that she had started called um, Women of Color Get Sober. Yeah. And now that group has merged and with is being supported underneath our umbrella, still with Sherry at the helm, but it's She Recovers Support for Black, Indigenous, and Women of Color. So it's a private Facebook group and they meet on Zoom once a week on Saturdays. So we, you know, we kind of spent a little bit of time thinking about the, the deep, thinking work that we needed to do. Uh, but we realized that we had to put things into action, you know, while we continue to do our own work, our own anti-racism work. So as I said, I know that we're going to be talking more about that, but for, as a healthcare policy analyst, right, I don't actually, I know that, uh, you know, I, I've understood for a long time, the issue of health disparity, you would too in your career. Um, and so it's kind of, you know, we've got this, we, we've had we're at this it's like the this apex of the um epidemic the opioid epidemic and then we've got the covid pandemic and we've got this racism reckoning you know whatever i guess it's a pandemic or whatever we want to call it it's certainly something that's every bit as big as the covid pandemic and bigger and longer um has been around for longer so yeah there's a lot to think about and uh as an organization, I think, and as individuals who lead this organization, we know that we're we're mostly responsible just for ourselves and making sure that we understand and can can enter into a conversation where we fit and you know where we don't, we stay out of. You know, we're not here to. Um, we, you know, we, we know how to do things. So you know, we've learned words like we understand performative, and we you know we understand that. Uh, the black women in our community need to lead the anti-racism efforts, not us and, and all of the other things that we've learned and, and defer. Um, and we're excited. And for anybody who knows Sherry Hampton, she's just the exact person to, to lead us in this initiative, along with Esther Nicholson, who brings a very spiritual approach to healing anti-racism. Yeah, I, um, 
I'll share that when I I went to the uh, the very first women's march um, in January of 2017 with a bunch of really other well-meaning progressive white women, and when we got there and you know and we were in this crush of of a crowd that was just beautiful and and even though we were all on top of each other just because of the sheer numbers of us, everybody was very polite and and nobody panicked. And um, from the stage came those messages of, you know, thanks for showing up and now take a seat because you have a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that moment. And mm-hmm. I don't know that everyone that I was with that day um, was ready to hear it. And um, I think that that's changed. Uh, I, I wish that it didn't take so many horrific events to really see, you know, drive home a message that, uh, frankly, is actually pretty simple. Uh, once you once you are ready to accept it, it's actually quite simple, like most things in life, right? Simple but not easy, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But um, it it has personally all of this since 2017 brought this. Um, you know, I keep coming back to a Pema Chodron quote about how you just really have to get comfortable with the ground beneath you constantly shifting. Mm-hmm. And that when you feel the uncomfortableness, that means you're doing it right, which is not something, it's not a truth that has ever been, um, that, that I would, had, had ever heard before uh, 2017. But that is, you know, that is what I think is happening uh, as I try to help my my close dear friends, you know, I get texts. I'm sure so many of us are on text threads with with women who are really afraid of what's coming of the election and um, and the pandemic and their own financial situations, their their families' health situations. I mean, all of that, all of that is just shifting the ground underneath us constantly and. It's, you know, it's cold comfort for me to say, well, that means you're doing it right. <laughs> when you feel that underneath you, that means you're doing it right. And yet it does mean you're doing it right. It means you're still here. You haven't numbed out. You are showing up the best you can. Um, and it's, it, it has that, that particular vision of the, the ground shifting underneath my feet and that that means I'm doing it right. And if I'm uncomfortable in this moment, that means I'm doing it right has actually come to be um, a comfort to me. Yeah. And I think within that, I, you know, it just, what I've learned so much about these times is how important it is just is for me to recognize my privilege. Right. And as much as like, I'm unemployed, <laughs> but my privilege right now, and I don't mind saying this, my privilege right now is that I live in a country where um, because my income was affected by the, by the pandemic, my government pays me $2,000 a month just to get by for the next few months. So that gives me the privilege of not having to get a day job until, you know, that runs out in November. And I'm very, very fortunate to have that. Thanks, Daniel. Beyond November? Oh my gosh. I wish they would stop doing that because I know I need, it's not enough and I need to get a real job. But Taryn just told me they extended it. So I just think that it's really important that... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess building on that a little bit, what I what I think is just so important is that for me, as somebody who who can offer whatever I can offer, um, 
in terms of supporting women who are feeling the ground rattle beneath them. I'm feeling pretty calm and kind of okay these days. Um, and so I can show up for those of those women, those friends of mine who are really, really stressed out because I know my day will come and they'll be there for me. Right. So um, I know, speaking of changes, Erin, should we start talking a little bit about some of the changes <laughs> that have been going on in our lives? Yeah, let's, let's absolutely do that. Because I think one of the things along with um, starting to be comfortable, you know, the idea of you are comfortable uh, being uncomfortable what I have done in the past, I'll just talk about my own self, which is my favorite topic, of course. Um, what I have done in the past couple of months is brought all of my teachings uh, that I have learned in the past uh, four or five years in recovery, um, leaned heavily into the work of the teachers that I follow, including uh, Carolyn Mays and Eckhart Tolle and uh, Tosha Silver and Courtney Carver, some of whom we've had on the podcast um, Charles Eisenstein and, um, and my own coaching, my own coaching lessons. And I have coached myself really is what I did in the past, uh, four months. I decided instead of, um, managing my anxiety, I would start to foster my health. And what that looked like was making some really personal decisions that frankly benefited me more than anybody else. And I've never been in a uh, emotional and um, health, like an emotionally healthy place to make those kinds of decisions before. Mm-hmm. And I had spent the summer here, um, you know, my, my husband retired from the Navy a couple of years ago and we have spent 20 plus years with the Navy telling us where we should go and how long we should stay there. And, um, you know, I did not have plans to come to Utah for the summer, but uh, COVID changed things around. So I ended up here for a few weeks and fell in love with it and, and was really, as I look back on it, you know, really wanting for years, I have been stepping further and further up to the microphone in my own life to be able to say, this is what I want and I'm going to make it happen. And I hope that you guys decide to come with me. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's what happened is I, I was here for a month in Utah and um, I did not want to go back to Virginia as much as there's wonderful things and beautiful friends there for me. I was, I have really been wanting to move out West for some time and um, COVID midlife and recovery really fused together to, to give me a backbone to say to, um, my family, this is what I'm going to do, you know? And, uh, and I think it's going to be good, not just for me, but for everybody. But I really have never made anything like that happen before because I didn't want to take responsibility for how that might turn out for other people. Mm -hmm. I just want to, that's something that I've really lately understood about what I've done here is it was the very first time I said, I'm going to do this for all of us because I know it's going to be good for all of us, but it is, it was me driving it and 
if it goes to shit, then that is on me and I am okay with that. And I've never been in a place to take that kind of responsibility for myself and frankly for my family, but mm-hmm. ever before. And that is that is what recovery looks like for me right now. That's huge, Erin. Yeah. yeah, I'm kind of mad right now, Don, just saying. I love that you're closer to us. I mean, I, I kind of did want to go to visit you in Virginia, but there are other people in Virginia we can visit there. But I just love that you're so much closer to us. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm a badass that's terrified like a lot of the time. <laughs> How many hours are, is it a drive, 14? It's 14 hours and 20 minutes. Not that I've looked it up about 80 times, but they won't let me in, you know. No, sorry, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, not yet. It's but... another month, but. Yeah, but it's it's been really good. It's um it's wide open place. It's wide open space, and um my boys. I'll tell you, my boys had become indoor kids on their electronics all the time. Just COVID had you know really replaced any kind of curiosity about life that they had. And I was at I I was like at a, I just did not know what to do about it. Yeah. Um, so that's it's given us a lot more opportunity to be outside. Well, and I love when we talked last week, you talked about how, you know, you do have a She Recovers sister there, right? You have somebody who's there. And so I, I, I love that idea that you've got somebody else who we love and admire and adore um, that you can connect with in person there. Or yeah, let's, let's just, I'll just be really upfront about that. Like Utah was not a mistake. It was because I have my lovely friend, Chris, here uh, that I met at a She Recovers retreat. And this is the power of she recovers is that, um, you know, the ripple impact of your, the, the little passion project you guys started is that this 47 year old woman upended her whole family <laughs> after a couple of years of just drinking the she recovers Kool-Aid. Yeah. I, um, I, 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 I certainly I've had other, you know, I brought in other recovery tools and, and teachers, sure. but I, I yeah. absolutely, this is a result of our community and it is such a, it's so powerful and beautiful. Well, what I love so much is when I saw it, cause I think I learned that you were doing this through social media and it was kind of like, you know, my first, in my first breath was like, what the, and then second was, well, of course she is. Of course she's living to Utah. It totally makes sense. So I think that's amazing. Speaking of moving. Yeah. Who else has moved? Not Mom, me. Have you? <laughs> Not me. I kind of spend a lot more time downstairs in my she cave than upstairs, but that's about yeah. as far as I've moved. Yeah, I guess I've had a geographical change as well, Erin, as you know. I moved from Vancouver Island in the city of Victoria, where Mom is and where I lived the past how many years? Uh, 14, 14 for you. 14 for me. And I moved over to the most magical island called Salt Spring Island, which is where we host our summertime West Coast retreats. We, there's a farm that we go to there called Stow Lake Farm. And I've always loved Salt Spring. I mean, anyone who's been there, of course, loves it. And I have just always been drawn to it. And right before COVID and during the very beginning of COVID, I was falling in love with an amazing man named Sid, um, totally unplanned, totally unexpected, which I guess that's sometimes the way it goes, but um, that's where he lives. So at one point we had decided, well, I guess this isn't just going to blow over in a few weeks. And we decided to just kind of be quarantine buds. And 
we were staying in my bachelor apartment. So like we were saying at the beginning of the call, it's like one month in COVID is like doggy years, puppy years. It feels like so much longer. So, you know, haven't, I guess that's only been a few months, but it feels like it's been forever. So decided to take the the leap and get rid of my apartment and move to Salt Spring. So that's home now, which feels amazing. And what's even more exciting about it is anyone who knows me knows that for years I've been talking about wanting to live in a tiny home or in a van. My bachelor apartment, you know, which is one room, still felt too big. And I just felt like over the years of living in that bachelor apartment that I just still was accumulating too many things. Um, And I now, as a sidebar, I have a financial recovery coach named Linda Parmar. (laughs) She's one of our She Recovers coaches. Um, but yeah, I just always felt like I just tiny spaces fit me well. I mean, mom, this house that she lives in right now, it's tiny. It's really cute. I love it. I just love tiny homes. So what's really fun is that we live in a converted school bus that my partner converted and it's so cozy. It has, you know, it has a kitchen. It has all the things. It has a wood burning fire. We're building a tub inside of it. So that's going to be exciting. And then we also got a sprinter van. So where we live, we have been able to do a little bit of social distancing travel within our province. That's allowed. So, you know, I went from with She Recovered, we were traveling at least once or twice a month. I was really only home a few weeks or a few days of the year because we would be traveling for retreats and our workshops and our events. So Conferences. Conferences. So I went from being home a few days of the month, maybe a week at the most, to COVID happening and not traveling, which I know we've joked on the podcast before. Mom and I were like, ooh, are we responsible for this? Because in January, after our last trip, we were like, oh, we we planned to be home for a few months before the Miami event. And we said, we'd said to each other, okay, I don't, I don't want to travel ever again until Miami. And then of course COVID happened and we couldn't travel. But for me, traveling is one of my recovery patchwork tools, especially road trips. So to have this van, so it feels like there's a little bit of um, freedom and a little bit of travel has just been really important for me um, to be able to travel in some capacity. We got a puppy. Her name is Sage Juniper. Right now she's napping, so she's super cute, but she's getting pretty hyper (laughs) the older she gets. Um, And what else? What can I say? I've just been... Jewelry. um, Jewelry, yeah. I've been making jewelry. Sid and I have a, a jewelry. I'm still waiting for my ring. Business. Still so, you know. haven't made mom's ring yet, mm-hmm. but it's been really one of the beautiful things about, but annoying things about being on Salt Spring is we don't have the best Wi-Fi or internet. We don't have Wi-Fi actually. We don't have Wi-Fi. We're still trying to figure out how to get it on the farm that we live on, and so I've had to, you know, unplug a little bit. And so in that time that I haven't been on my computer via my cell phone data. I've been getting creative and and making things. And that, again, is just, you know, another recovery patchwork that I never, um, I always have loved jewelry. They've every single piece of jewelry I own has meaning to me. They're all talismans to me. They all represent something in my life. And so now to be able to make talismans, um, it's just been, been really powerful and really cool. So also something I want to mention quickly, because we just got off a call before taping this 
podcast episode is what I'm focusing my efforts on next is creating our young women's, I'll call it a program right now. It's not going to be a program, but we're creating an initiative where we'll be able to, or we're going to try to support um, like teenage girls with substance use, behavioral and mental health challenges. So that's going to be what I'm going to be focusing on for the next few months. And I'm really excited because it's been my dream ever since even, you know, before she recovers, I always wanted to be able to give back in that way. So you can stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. That is really also exciting. Um, regarding the space and the tiny homes and um, what happens when you finally do that thing that you've been thinking about for a long time. So part of this move had me go from a 3,700 square foot home to a 2,000 square foot home. And I had to shed um, half of my stuff. And, you know, we we did have Courtney Carver on uh, the podcast a while back, and Tosha Silver also talks to this about the importance of creating space. And I've kind of chuckled to myself in the last couple of weeks because um, what happens after you do that is there's a lot of fucking space, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and that means – that you have the opportunity to fill it with jewelry making or you know thoughtful travel with your with your handsome man um but also what i'm what i'm encountering is oh my gosh like hello hello aaron <laughs> mm-hmm. you are you are here fully present with a lot of space and not necessarily um a lot of activities or stuff and so what do you want to do with that? And it's, it's, have you found Taryn that, um, are you, how are you navigating that? Perfectly, beautifully. It's everything I wished and wanted and more. I feel like my relationship to time has completely shifted. And, you know, when you're in the word space is just really resonating because yeah, it just feels like with this lifestyle change, I have been able to just create more space in, in all ways. But the most meaningful to me is it feels like I have more space in my day to do more meaningful things and to have more energy to focus on all of the initiatives that we have going on, but also to still have the energy and excitement to keep creating um, is really meaningful to me. Yeah, creating, that's that's the word, isn't it? Is that the space gives you the opportunity to really step into the role of creator of of things like jewelry, but really the creator of your own life. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not, uh, I, I, st- I didn't, I'm not in a new relationship. <laughs> still married to the same guy? Same guy, same guy. Still feeding me and taking care of me. I don't think I'll ever let him go. Um, I have a, an additional grandchild, which is everything to me right now. At least two or three times a week, I get to put him to sleep on my chest for an hour, which is everything. Um, uh, the, I guess not a lot of big changes other than I don't pack a suitcase anymore which results in all sorts of changes. This year I've been focused on uh, writing my book 
and I spent 10 weeks writing some sample chapters that I had to get into um, somebody. And now I've got some feedback on those. There's not a lot of changes, but I need to write one more chapter and then we're going to submit it somewhere to see if it's going to get published. So that's really been my focus this year. I also took um, five weeks to spend with my 89-year-old father who was just here for all of August. Um, spending time with our, our actually granddaughter is upstairs right now, just dying because she's here for a sleepover with the dog. Yeah, forget um, Auntie Moon, just the dog. So she's and the dog is down here because she just finally calmed down after a crazy few hours. So, yeah, for me, I just think what's opened up is um, I turned sixty this year, so I've been really using this time to do a lot of inner reflection and thinking and planning and figuring out how I want to go out of this world, what I want to do in my last act, so to speak. And that's been really meaningful for me. I do really want to focus on um, writing, kind of creating content for She Recovers rather than running the day-to-day of She Recovers. So as I said before, this kind of this fall up until the end of the year, um, I'm dedicating myself to really helping set down the foundation for the foundation so that I can move over to being kind of a content creator and, you know, a board member, but not be as um, involved in the micromanagement of She Recovers, something that I have been involved in for nine years now. And it feels good. It feels good to be letting go of so many things. And because we've got so many wonderful women stepping up to volunteer their time and their expertise and their knowledge, um, and because I'm just at a stage of my life where I'm ready to let go of micromanaging and I'm I've it's been proven that I can trust I can move aside and let speaking of the younger generation Taryn can take on so much more of what I've been doing although her interest is specific you know she's got very specific interests in the foundation and what she wants to do there but I think it's just a yeah kind of a reconfiguration of a lot of things um paying attention to what's going on internally as well as externally in the world and being driven and kind of guided at the same time by what those things are. So there's one more thing I would love to chat with you ladies about, um, yeah. which is, which is coaching. So you've mentioned it a couple of times um, that, you know, you have your, the coaches that are hosting the zoom calls twice a day. And um, Taryn, you mentioned that you have a financial coach who is a, she recovers coach, Linda Palmer, who I very much want to have as a, as a, as a podcast guest in the next couple of weeks. But I, I wanted to give us an opportunity to really um, talk about the power of coaching, not necessarily just for in your recovery efforts, but what it helps you do just to truly transform your life. So um, I, you know, I started, the, I came into the, my coaching courses. I kind of didn't even want to tell anybody I was doing it because everybody, I felt like everybody was doing it. Um, a year later, 12 months later, I can tell you that coaching is where it's at. And so, yes, you know, so many of us that are suffering from anxiety and depression, yes, you absolutely need to go to a therapist, you know, consult your psychologist, psychologist, psychiatrist, your doctors, and to be able to add a coach to your team, um, I have found it to be, uh, it is, it truly has helped me, um, 
like empower myself. I empowered myself through coaching. And um, I know that both of you are coaches, so I just wanted to kind of open that topic up and, and, uh, and ask you all to talk about how that is working for you all. Okay. Well, I would say, so the reason that She Recovers exists is because when I hit the wall with workaholism and then ended up getting laid off and had kind of a year of severance pay and nothing to do but think about what I wanted to do next and decided that I wanted to work with women in recovery, I thought that my pathway would be a recovery coach. So I took an extensive recovery coach and life tra- life coach training, which I loved. I loved. And um, h- how I how I got to that was I was working with a recovery coach. So I was at a place where like, what am I going to do next? So I hired a, re- a woman who was a life coach who worked specifically with women in recovery. Um, and she kind of led me into the whole, she recovers thing, started the Facebook page, started the retreats. So I was impacted by recovery coaching. Uh, it would, because coaching is really effective for what do you want to do next? And what are the steps you need to do to get there? And how can, you know, a coach can help you be accountable from moving forward. So my own it, kind of my own experience being coached was is why we're sitting here having a conversation on a podcast called She Recovers. Um, I have coached over the years. It isn't something that I've used a lot of because I've, I've actually, quite frankly, I found another more lucrative <laughs> uh, career called consulting, uh, also in the area of mental health and, and addictions. And that's what I did for a number of years. But I do coach I do use my coaching. I use it on myself. I use it on the people in my life, whether they want me to or not, it seems some days. I'm just a huge believer of, in coaching um, because it's strength-based. It's all the things that we say are important. Um, I do also want to always recognize that just like hiring a therapist or hiring a coach or hiring a fitness instructor or hiring anybody, you know, is something that um, it does take money. And so, again, just recognizing that a lot of us, are privileged enough to have hired coaches and benefited from coaching services on one hand. On the other hand, I think that there are women in recovery who, who don't need, who may not need treatment like a $30,000 treatment program, but who are in a position to be able to invest in, in an accountability partner, a champion, a cheerleader, because I think that's what coaching is in many ways, a guide. And so that um, choosing a recovery coach is an alternative sometimes if you aren't a person who needs um, intensive inpatient or even intensive outpatient treatment, it's something worth exploring. Um, yeah, I'm just the reason that we have uh, over a hundred she recovers coaches is because I believe so strongly in recovery coaching, uh, and we work with other organizations who actually train people in the coaching. And then we provide um, a program called the She Recovers Coach Designation, which is simply a 10-hour coaching certification that can sit on top of somebody else's um, coaching or other professional credentials. So um, yeah, I'm not sure what to say other than I've seen the benefit of being coached. Um, I've seen the benefit of my coaching other women and seeing their successes and moving forward with strategies and plans that, you know, they, they know that they have a partner in me. Uh, so that's been my experience, Taryn. Yeah. Um, my experience has been, I have had different coaches over the years of recovery, as well as I also have different therapists as well. So for me, it's been important for me to have both mm-hmm. with my therapists the work I've done with them, I've had a somatic trauma therapist and, you know, talk therapy, and they really helped me unpack 
my past, right? And then with coaching, and mom says this really well, but it's just so true with coaching, all of the coaches that I've had have helped me focus on present and future. So it's, it's the cheerleading with the coach. Um, it's the accountability that I need. I like that type of structure. Um, and yeah, I just think coaching has been one, yeah, just such an empowering experience. And as a coach and as someone who has coached, what I love about it is just the empowerment of allowing someone to come up with the answers themselves. So in coaching sessions, it's a lot of questions. So if you are the person being coached, you know, your coach is going to ask you a lot of questions and what you're going to discover is that you had the answers the whole time. But sometimes when we're thick in something, we we're biased, where we have blind spots, we can only see things certain ways. So the beauty of having a coach is they help kind of you to extract your own truths, and they act as mirrors to reflect onto you your truth. And yeah, it's just really empowering, really empowering to have a coach in your corner. And there are so many different types of coaches. You know, Linda, of course, as we mentioned, she's quite specialized with her financial. There's sex and love coaches, alcohol, you name it within our She Recovers Coach directory. And sometimes it, it comes to just finding someone, you know, you'll find someone who you resonate with. Maybe you want someone who lives in your city who's closer by, or maybe you want that kind of specialty. But what's really nice about coaches as well is they usually do a discovery call. So you can have a call and kind of meet them, have a little meet and greet, and then see if there's a resonation there and then go forward. But like mom said, there is, there is the privilege that we have to be able to hire therapists and coaches. And that's another reason why our daily gatherings that are coach led, but by our our coaches who are volunteering their time, those are free. So although no one is being coached in the gatherings, there is this opportunity to come be held by a coach leading the call. And there are always topics. So, I mean, coaches mm-hmm. kind of bring their areas of expertise. When Linda Farmer hosts, we're talking about money. Yeah. So, uh, and it's also a way for um, women in our community to become acquainted with our coaches so that if they are someone who wants to maybe explore the idea of working with a recovery coach one-on-one or maybe attending one of their group programs, they have the opportunity to, to meet them because they're, we have at least two a day holding space for us. Yeah. And I'll just add real quickly that the other thing it does, along with asking all of those powerful questions and reflecting your truth back at you, um, what it's really helped me do is identify the voices in my head and how they're impacting what's happening outside of me. Um, Mm -hmm. Being able to be in control of my thoughts and uh, recognize each moment, right? Each moment, what I'm choosing the story I'm choosing to believe. So I just, I've used that. I've relied on that fairly heavily um, in the past couple of months. And um, I just wanted to take the opportunity to, to really encourage listeners. Yes, it is something that um, it, it does come with the fee and there's, uh, but it is a, um, a, a, there's a sliding scale. And I would really encourage our listeners to think about it because it's just been so helpful. It's been so helpful to me. Well, and I know that you're going to do the She Recovers Coach designation this fall. That's right, friend. It's almost all done. I'm almost going to do it. Yay. Awesome. 
Is there so we're almost at an hour, ladies? We try to keep these to an hour. Is there what would you guys want to end on? Is there anything else you want to add to this sort of podcast reboot? Maybe we'll just, um, for those of you who are new to our community, just kind of we'll go through what we are doing. All of our in person events are on hold at the moment. Uh, you know, we have retreats scheduled for February in Mexico. We're not ready to call on what's happening with those yet, we're still waiting and watching. We'll be back on Salt Spring Island next July, and we'll be adding other retreats in the States as well next year. Sedona, where we're supposed to be right now in this moment, is uh, was postponed till next September. And at the end of the year next year, we'll be going back to Mexico. So all in-person uh, events are, are on hold. Uh, our coaches who host sharing circles in their communities are, for the most part, in-person um sharing circles or meetups are on hold, but there are women in community. She recovers groups in different cities across North America and beyond who are getting together um, outside, you know, for things like walks or hikes or even sitting in the park and visiting in a socially distanced way as an organization. We're, we're not, uh, we're not approving that she recovers groups be hosting anything that takes place indoors during this period. So, um, but online, you can join us twice a day at 9 a.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Pacific, which is noon and 8 Eastern, um, for the Zoom gatherings that are hosted by coaches. And that's every single day. On Wednesdays, Taryn does a trauma-informed yoga class during the first, um, the 9 o'clock noon Eastern session. On Fridays, Taryn, um, Peyton does, she recovers dance. Um on the weekends, it's just the regular sharing gatherings. We also have specialty groups that meet on Saturday. So at 7.30 a.m. Pacific, 10.30 Eastern, our She Recovers Support for Healthcare and Allied Professionals group meets on Zoom. And at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, our She Recovers Support for uh, Black, Indigenous, and Women of Color meet. We are in. The, we also have a group for She Recovers Mothers, supports mothers of high-needs children. That's just a Facebook group. We have a She Recovers Facebook group for She Recovers Support for Legal Professionals. Um, we will be soon starting a She Recovers, very soon starting a She Recovers Support for Veterans and um, First Responders. And Taryn's working, Taryn's working on the Young Women's Initiative. And um, although we will not call it this, I'm kind of working a little bit on a new offering for um, She Recovers Support for Old Women. <laughs> um, of course, we won't call them old women, but... The elders. The elders. <laughs> for wise women, maybe. I don't know. Women 50 and over, probably. So those are kind of what we're doing um, we, every Monday. Sorry, Monday uh, in the early slot, we do um, a Mental Health Monday. And we've had amazing speakers on all sorts of topics, women who bring their expertise um, on Mental Health Monday. Um, so that, again, is in the 9 a.m. Pacific 12 Eastern slot. And one more pivot that I'll mention is the um, the in-person yoga teacher training that was supposed to happen on Salt Spring in October. Um, of course, I've had to cancel, so I'm going to be offering it online in January. We haven't confirmed the dates yet, but what I can say is it's going to be a weekend intensive via Zoom. It's for women who have at least a minimum of a 200-hour yoga certification already. They can take the She Recovers Trauma-Informed Yoga Teacher designation. And um, we are going to have scholarships available for Black, Indigenous, and women of color. 
And it's going to be so far the women who are expressing interest because we haven't opened registration officially yet. Um, but so far, it's, it's a really, really sweet, amazing group. So what we need, like our coaches, we need more trauma-informed yoga teachers out there doing this work more than ever. So so if you feel called to that, that will be happening in January. And that'll be, and again, so what we'll be announcing later this fall as well is um, kind of the structure of our She Recovers chapters and what those are going to look like. We'll be looking for um, chapter directors. Uh, we'll, of course, be, uh, if our coaches want to participate in hosting sharing circles, we're going to try and support that. Uh, our yoga teachers want to hold She Recovers Yoga classes in their communities. People want to volunteer for book clubs or hiking groups or uh, community service projects, all sorts of things. We're, we're looking forward to really expanding our in-person community offerings um, just as soon as this COVID thing clears up a little bit. Ladies, it's been so nice spending this hour together. I'm really, I've been missing you. I've been missing your voices and your faces. And um, so thanks for making the time. Thank you, Erin. Thanks for all that you do to make this podcast possible. Erin, we would not have a She Recovers podcast without you. And it wouldn't be as popular as it is without you. And we absolutely love you. And I'm going to see if I can't get that border open so you can come for a visit. Just give me a, just give me a little bit here, okay? Yeah, work on that. Love you, ladies. Love you. Love you too. Thanks for listening to the She Recovers podcast. Our mission is to inspire hope, reduce stigma, and empower women to increase their recovery capital, heal themselves, and help other women to do the same. We are a grassroots movement and a nonprofit public charity, and we can always use your support. If you enjoyed this content, please share it, leave us a five-star review, visit our social channels, look at volunteering within our community, and donating to our cause. Every dollar helps. Visit SheRecovers.org to find out more information about that, and to also find out information about our free daily gatherings and other really exciting initiatives and projects that we're currently working on. 